You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 914 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening into Thursday and plenty to get to on today's episode. A pretty wild game in a lot of ways for the Hawks as they face the Pistons this evening. If you watched it, you would already know this, but the Hawks trail by as many as 17 points in the fourth quarter only to overcome that deficit, uh, force force overtime, and then win the game kind of going away in overtime by a final score of 123 to 115. So plenty to get to. On the podcast, um, highs, lows, all of that stuff, but in the end, a good result for Atlanta, and that is the takeaway from this one. Uh, before we dive into the game itself, there is some pregame stuff to, to hit on here on the podcast, and it sort of sets the stage for what actually transpired, because the Hawks were very, very shorthanded in this game. Coming into the day, as we discussed yesterday on the podcast, there was some concern about Cam Reddish, who has missed the last two games before today and was listed as questionable with his left knee contusion, but DeAndre Hunter was on the injury report as probable with right knee soreness. At the end of the day, though, both guys did not play uh, in this contest. At about 5.30 p.m. Eastern, it was announced by the NBA and then the Hawks that both guys were going to be listed as doubtful, Hunter and Reddish. Um, and then Lloyd Pierce said they would they would be evaluated closer to game time to uh, see with their athletic testing and all that stuff um, to see if they'd be able to play on their knee issues. And then at about 6.20 p.m. Eastern, it was announced that they were both going to miss this game. So that put the Hawks down to 12 healthy players and while they have 12, that's that's more than a lot of teams have had this, this season. Uh, those 12 are not the best 12 by any means. That, that that includes all of the guys who you would not necessarily want in your rotation right now in the NBA. And the Hawks were missing five members of their projected opening night rotation. So all five guys that missed this game were you know major parts of the plan this season, including three of their best four wings. Um, so yeah, pretty shorthanded in a lot of ways here. It was a revenge game for Tony Snell against his former team with the Pistons who traded him to the Hawks. He actually contributed a little bit in this game, but it was Solomon Hill that got the start, and Solomon Hill was a was a crucial piece in this game for the Hawks, playing 40 minutes. For That, that had to be the outlier. Um, coming into the year, I would have probably taken the under on any game for Solomon Hill playing 40 minutes, but that happened in this game. It was the sixth starting lineup, different uh, different starting lineup of the season for the Hawks with Solo getting in, the, getting in the lineup alongside Kevin Herter. And by the way, Solomon Hill had played 94% of his minutes at the four this season for the Hawks and this game I, I believe people I believe he played pretty much the entire way at the three and all those minutes so that's pretty interesting but the Hawks were still favored to win this game mostly because uh the Pistons are not very good Detroit was three and ten coming in but Atlanta opened as about a six point favorite according to our friends at BetOnline.ag, AG and then it closed somewhere in the neighborhood of four and a half so the Hawks were still favored but the number went down as you would expect without Hunter and Reddish and Atlanta Needed to come back, obviously, to get this victory. So, if you're new to the podcast, what we do on the show is go through pretty much the entire game, start to finish, and we'll break down, I'll sort of share my observations and all of that stuff, and at the end of the podcast, we'll sort of wrap it all up with some takeaways, some individual breakdowns, uh, etc. So, we'll dive in here at the start of the contest. Obviously, it was not exactly the best performance for um, Atlanta for a lot of the way, but... There were some highlights before the fourth quarter. Um, in the early going, it was sort of setting the tone in some ways because Collins and Capella scored the first 10 points for Atlanta, including an outlet pass from from Capella to Collins for a dunk. Collins was a focal point early on, which is interesting because he's been, a focal, uh, I would say, a point of discussion 
in Hawks land, including on this podcast, about just kind of getting him the ball more often. That happened in this game. That was a smart thing the Hawks did, especially when they were shorthanded the way they were. Uh, Trey Young had two quick assists, got in the lane, got fouled, but actually missed his, he had some free throw issues in this game, which is noteworthy. We'll come back to that later on, but he missed his first two and was one of his first five from the free throw line. It was really defense that was the problem, more so than offense. There were some offensive frustrations in this game when the Hawks were trailing, but defensively they had all kinds of issues until the fourth quarter. Part of that was Jeremy Grant getting off early with 12 points in the first eight minutes against the hunterless, reddishless Hawks. Um, so not, not a huge surprise there. Grant's been great this year, this year for Detroit, but still something that they had uh, a lot of trouble slowing down in the early going of this game. Um, still, you know, the subs that came in, it was kind of what you would expect. It was a Kongwu, actually, as the first sub in the front court alongside Tony Snell. They came in about 4.30 mark of the first quarter for Capella and Solomon Hill. Then it was Goodwin who, come, who came in at the two alongside alongside Trey Young in the first stint. And the Hawks played only 10 guys in this game. The 10th was Nathan Knight, who we'll get to in a second. But um, a Kongwu actually had a nice block. I thought he, should, he played pretty well. There were some moments where he was a rookie, to be sure, and uh, the bench not scoring was a huge thing that we'll talk about later on. But he had, he had some nice flashes, a couple of nice defensive plays, some rebounds, etc. They actually went to Knight and Akongwu together for the final minute or so of the first quarter. And Knight played only five minutes in this game, was not particularly good. But they definitely tried that, trying to get some guys on the court. The only guys who were active that, that, that did not play for Atlanta were Skylar Mays and Bruno Fernando. So they played 10 guys. Um, they shot they shot just okay in the first quarter, but had eight assists and no turnovers. And given the fact that they had 26 turnovers on Monday, that was a refreshing switch. Four offensive rebounds for Atlanta as well. They, they, played, they played well on offense in the early going. A lot of that was Collins, who had 12 points in the first quarter. In fact, he had 14 as far as we knew. And then after a review later on, it was announced that, that, that Hawks uh, actually swung two points from from Collins to Capella. It was a tip. It was a tip in that both guys got kind of got a hand on, and it went and went to Capella. So Collins only had twelve in the first quarter, but still he was a focal point. But defensively, as I said before, the Hawks allowed way too many points. Um, they allowed about, about one point three points per possession in the first quarter to the Pistons, who shot almost sixty percent from the floor. Um, in the second quarter, they started out with Rondo, who was the uh, ninth or tenth guy coming in off the bench for Atlanta. Playing with Brandon Goodwin, I thought Rondo really struggled in this game, which we'll come back to later on, but they had to do it. Um, Trey Young actually played the entire first quarter. He played a ton of minutes in this game. Um, but they went to one of their worst lineups of the season, honestly, and it was not necessarily completely unavoidable, but I understood what they were trying to do because they were so shorthanded in this game. Trey, you know, they had to have Trey play as much as, as much as humanly possible. But that ended up with about a two-minute lineup of Rondo, Goodwin, Snell, Knight, and Okongwu. That isn't going to work, uh, quite obviously, and they went back to Capella pretty quickly in there, in there. And then from that point forward, they kind of staggered more effectively. I would not have done that, but I understand what, what happened in terms of playing that lineup for a second, but it didn't work. Now, the Hawks didn't manage to hang around because they got some stops with that group. They could not score in the early going. In fact, they didn't score for more, three, for more than three minutes to open the second quarter. And I probably would have staggered Young and Collins more specifically in that first half. They did it a little bit in the second half. It was less of a concern, but that was my only note on that. Um, Capella was a monster in this game. That's actually the way that um, Pierce and others referred to Capella after the game multiple times about just having him having a monster performance. He had a double-double with seven minutes left in the first half of this game. And just as a, as a flash forward, Capella finished this game with 27 points, 26 rebounds and five blocks in 39 minutes, which is just wild. So we'll come back to that later. But man, he was really good from the outset and never really stopped. Um, by the way, he was the first Hulk with 10 offensive rebounds in a half since Matumbo 
Yes, to Kevin Matumbo, the Hall of Famer, in 1997. So he slowed down on the offensive glass after halftime, but he was dominating second chance points and all that in the first half. And Capella was uh, really, really good the entire game. Um, also, also of note, Trey Young was two of ten from the floor in the first half. And at that point in time, I tweeted this out. It's sort of a, it's sort of a, a, a reverse jinx in retrospect now, which I'm, I'm proud of, and some folks noticed. Um, but at the half. Trey was 29 of his last 100 from the floor over, over about a six and a half game span. So the f- six games before this and then two of 10 in the first half. Yes, 29 of 100 in six and a half games. Now, from that point forward, he was really good in this game, but that was uh, sort of the turning point. Hopefully, at least the Hawks fans will be hoping that, that that was kind of when the light switch came on for Trey because he had struggled so badly for him. And that included the first half tonight before he kind of went crazy after halftime. Uh, but the end of the first half went the Pistons' way. There was a 10-0 run by Detroit, took an eight-point lead, and then uh, while the Hawks did fight back a little bit, they still trailed by seven at the break. In the second quarter, the Hawks shot six of 25. That's 24%, um, and that kind of dragged them down for the entire first half to a sub-100 offensive rating. Um, Capella had 14-14 and 14 before halftime, but there wasn't a whole lot else going on. The bench didn't score at all in the first half. They were 0-6 from the floor, did not have a single point, and finally a Kongu score in the third quarter. That was a one flash forward here before we get to a break, is that the Hawks bench didn't score until late in the third quarter at all, and that included five players. So it was a heavy starters game, as we'll get into, and uh, sort of flash forward here. The second half was more kind than the first, but not the entire way. So we'll get to that momentarily, but first a word from our friends at rockauto.com. Chain stores often have different price tiers for pro mechanics to do it yourselfers, but at rockauto.com, prices are the same for everyone and they're always low. Instead of the market changing prices, rockauto.com simply presents the lowest prices possible at all times. No matter what kind of car or truck you might have, rockauto.com has everything you need, just a few easy clicks, and they'll have it delivered directly to your door. And the rockauto.com catalog is also easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, the specs, and the prices that you prefer. Rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or an account login of any kind. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always low and the same for pros and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend more for the same exact parts? Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or your truck, and from there, write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com all right, we'll dive in now to the second half, and uh, lots of ebbs and flows, we will say, in the second half of this game, including right out of the bat, the Hawks struggled out of the gate. Uh, Detroit went on an 11-4 run to open the half, taking a 14-point lead. The Pistons were doubling off Trey Young, which is crazy. It's something that just teams have never done, basically, in the last year and a half plus against Atlanta, but Trey was struggling so badly that DeLon Wright had two steals in pretty short order, doubling off Trey and sort of uh, jamming down into the post. That was wild to see. And it was probably the right decision, given the way that Trey was playing at that point in time. But coming out of that, um, Collins got a nice tip in out of a timeout. Then uh, Capella found Young on a kickout pass off an offensive rebound for an open three that might have got him going a little bit. The offense was actually pretty good to start the third quarter, but they just could not get a stop. So early, early in the second, the Pistons scored 23 points in the first six minutes of the quarter. And that's pretty brutal. They made a lot of shots. They made, they made their first four threes, including 9 of 13 from the floor. To open the third quarter, but Trey found his footing, which is probably the biggest thing from this game. Even with Capella and Collins, we'll talk about a ton later on. I would say the biggest takeaway for me from this contest is the way that Trey Young sort of found his offense after this little rut that he's been in. And that included 16 points in the first eight minutes of the third quarter. Uh, that included 7 of 7 from the line. He had a steal and a layup to, get a, to cut the margin down to six, about, about the four minute mark. And he really turned it on in the third quarter. Um, as I said before, the, there was an Akongwu layup. 
that cut that had the first uh, bench points of the entire game with about 3:30 to go in the third quarter, which is crazy. The Hawks got got the lead down to three at 81 to 78, but it seemed like it was going to all be for naught because Detroit raced to an 11-0 run to end the third quarter in the last three minutes or so to go from a three-point margin to a 14-point margin. Um, on the positive side, Trey scored 21 points in the period on 6 of 9 from the floor and 8 of 8 from the free throw line. It was the sixth time in his career he scored at least 20 in a quarter. But he, he, he sort of visibly got out, got um, sort of out of gas late in the third, which is understandable. He played the entire quarter again, and nobody else really helped him at all in that quarter for the most part, especially on the offensive side. Um, I will say a lot of people were upset about the late quarter collapse, and that's understandable. I think the Hawks probably could have called a timeout at some point to let that not get completely out of control. So that was one that was on Pierce that I didn't love necessarily. But they also just kind of, you know, expended a lot of energy, I would say, especially Trey to get back into the game. And that happens sometimes. You sort of let go of the rope along the way. And, you know, I, I, I would say just in advance, credit to the Hawks for not letting that whole downturn get them down in this game because they could have just kind of let go right there and they didn't do it. So, um, in the third quarter, though, the Pistons shot 63% from the floor and 5-6 from three, so it was really a defensive breakdown in the third. The Hawks scored plenty. The Hawks scored 33 points in the third quarter, but got outscored 40-33. The Pistons scoring 40 points in a quarter is wild, given their talent level, so that was bad. In the fourth, they started out with Rondo again, back in. He was bad again, I thought. Um, also, Herter had an air ball and about a five-footer in the lane. It felt like the game was going to be pretty much over, um, but... <laughs> I will say this, the Hawks got some stops, finally, to start the fourth quarter, but then they stopped scoring. So, Pierce referenced this after the game, that they got some good looks to start the fourth quarter. I will say I agree with that. I watched that game, I watched that part of the game again before I started recording the podcast, and they really did have some good looks early in the fourth. They just weren't falling. They scored six points in the first six minutes. They had Rondo playing with Young at one point, just trying some stuff. A couple of unfriendly foul situations where Trey got fouled on what should have been a three-point um, shooting foul. That was called on the floor, and then moments later, Capella had a great block that was called a foul, um, or goaltending, one of those. It was challenged, and then uh, Pierce won that one, but still, just kind of an unfriendly whistle there for a little while. And all that to say, the Hawks looked to be in pretty dire straits. They were down 99-82. to So that was a 17-point deficit, and uh, looking ahead here, just to spoil this already... It was a 24 to seven run the rest of the way in the in the in the final seven minutes. The Hawks, so the Hawks scored 24 points in the last seven minutes and held the Pistons to seven points in the last seven minutes, and that combination tied the game. So we'll go through it quickly here, sort of blow by blow. The big shot to start it off was a Kevin Herter three with about four minutes to go, getting the lead from 13 down to 10, bringing some life. That that prompted a timeout by Detroit. It kind of felt like it was at least attainable. At that point, they got a stop coming out of the timeout. Trey misses a free throw, but then makes the second one. I'm not sure if it was actually in that order, but he split he split a pair of free throws. It's kind of to nine. The Hawks got another stop when Derrick Rose missed, and then Young got a layup to get back within seven. They forced another missed jump shot, and then Trey got another layup to go 101-96. So at that point in time, it's a 14-2 run to cut the lead from 17 down to five. Now, it staggered there for a minute. Um, Grant scored. There was a lob from Young to Collins for a dunk. Kind of a back and forth, back and forth. Um, Trey found Collins, who got fouled, and made both free throws with about 115 to go. Cut the lead to two. Um, but then Blake Griffin hit what could have been a huge shot for Detroit. A circus layup that he made and the foul uh, to go to up 106-101 with 104 to go. So after all that, the Hawks are now down five with about a minute to go, and they're still a pretty big underdog given that deficit. Um, Trey then misses another free throw, his sixth of the night, and splitting a pair to go down by four. But they got another stop, and that's sort of been a theme here. Hawks got a ton of stops in this run. And then Trey makes both free throws this time after getting in the line. 
cutting it to 106-104 with 33.8 seconds to go. They forced a pretty tough, pretty tough shot by Derrick Rose, got the rebound um, off of that, and then called timeout with the ball with 20 seconds to go down two. So obviously in good, in good shape now with the ball. Um, a beautiful Trey, sorry, a beautiful play by Trey coming out of the timeout. He drew all the attention from the Pistons, found Capella on a nice drop-off pass for a tying dunk with five seconds to go. And then the Hawks tried, uh, at least the Hawks had to fade a uh, Pistons walk-off at the end. Trey was in good position, tried to take a charge, didn't get the call there, but Collins, who had gotten beat off the dribble by Grant, recovered to block the shot from behind. They celebrated together a couple of times in this game, which was good to see for the, for the folks that were worried about uh, Trey and John's relationship. There was some good uh, some good anecdotal evidence of those guys getting along on the court today, which is kind of funny. At any rate, uh, a great block there by Collins from behind to save the game and go to overtime. So again, a 24-7 run, just a monumental comeback from the Hawks. Obviously, there was some help in there from Detroit. I have to say that out loud. The Pistons did really stagger and stall offensively, but some of that was, was the Hawks' defense. I mean, especially Collins and Capella played great. They forced everything was difficult for the Pistons, and while they could have made a few more shots, the Hawks made life difficult on them in that period, and that's kind of all you have to do sometimes in the NBA is just kind of make, make, make life difficult on the opponent, and I think Collins and Capella were excellent defensively, as was Solomon Hill in that stretch. So, just all of that, they came back, forced overtime, and then the OT was not always easy either. Just fast fast forward here, uh, it was uh, the Pistons scored first, Trey Young turns it over, and then they fouled they fouled Grant in transition, who splits free throws, and then Trey misses a floater. Grant gets a dunk, and suddenly the Hawks are down five again. So after all that work, they come all the way back, tie the game, go to overtime, and then in a minute they're down by five. Um, from, from that point forward, though, it was all Hawks. Um, a weird possession after that. That was uh, multiple offensive rebounds, but Capella gets a layup to cut it down to three. Then they exchange empty trips a couple times there. Solomon Hill had a big shot. The biggest three of the game until the very end was that three by Solomon Hill to tie the game with about 2.30 to go off a nice kickout pass by Kevin Herter. They fouled Grant, who made both, but then uh, Collins got fouled on a corner three by Plumlee, who was wretched in this game for Detroit. Uh, Collins made two out of three to tie the game. They forced a tough three by Jeremy Grant, um, who misses it. And then Herter found Capella for a three-point play on a great pass by Kevin from the top of the key. Um, Capella makes the free throw as well to go up by three with 127 to go. They get a stop, and then was probably the dagger was the Trey Young super deep three to go up 119-113. If that wasn't the dagger, um, they got a stop on a turnover by the Pistons, and then Young found Capella for the actual dagger to go up by eight, and that was the end of that. They, they, uh, they got within six again, Detroit did, um, but the Hawks got got an inbounds, play keep away, Herter got to the free throw line, made both, and then Trayon got, got a steal to end the game at 123-115. to 115. So, obviously a lot to get to there, but a tale of two halves in a lot of ways, but also just a lot of back and forth, back and forth in this game, but the Hawks finally um, sort of overcome everything at the end and uh, that was the end of that so we'll talk about the the individual stuff momentarily um, and also some takeaways we'll start with the takeaways now actually Um, so broadly speaking I mentioned this before already but the the defense in the the defense in the fourth quarter overtime from from Collins and Capella were just was just out of this world and the entire game the Hawks just absolutely dominated the glass and that's not always the biggest thing in the world but for this Hawks team playing two bigs, you know, after the last couple of games where the Hawks have been playing pretty much staggering Capella and Collins because of the way that they've been shorthanded, this time they had they were so shorthanded they kind of had to play those guys even more and play them together more. That worked out very well in this spot. The Hawks grabbed almost 40% of offensive rebounds, which is sort of just as a comparison, number one in the NBA is about 30% this season. The Hawks had 23 offensive rebounds, which is just an incredible number. 
Also, defensively, they grabbed 85% of defensive rebounds, which will also be number one in the league. So they just absolutely dominated the glass in this game. That was a huge thing in the possession battle. The Hawks took care of the ball as well. Only 14 turnovers, including overtime. That's a win for Atlanta, all things considered. And then, you know, defensively, it wasn't great the entire way. But as I said before, in the fourth quarter, they really did a good job defensively. And that was enough to get the game won. And offensively, if you include the overtime, the Hawks performed at a level over 53 minutes that was very, very nice. They scored almost 1.15 points per possession, which is great. That's better than their normal baseline. So it wasn't always pretty, but they did the job there. And uh, that was good to see for Atlanta. Um, You know, all kinds of things that you can pick apart. Some of the perimeter defense was not was not always good in this game. Some of the shooting was not always great in this game. They missed 12 free throws. Um, and by the way, again, six of those were Trey Young, which is crazy that, that he would miss that many free throws in a game. But um, the Hawks, you know, made plays. And the entire game, the bench scored four points. In a 123-115 to win, the bench scored four points. And they still managed to win at home. And uh, it was ugly at times, but they got the win. So we'll talk about the individual stuff momentarily. But my broad takeaway would be like, Sort of a sort of a, uh, an exhale from a broad from a broad perspective for the Hawks getting a win that they probably needed to get all along, but sort of a good inspiring one in a lot of ways. The Hawks were definitely very positive after the game from Pierce to Young to Capella to Collins. They were definitely having a good time as they should, and uh, maybe this is one where they'll sort of kick it into high gear, particularly with Young and the way the big guys played. So a fun one to dissect, and we'll talk about the individual players momentarily. But first, a word from our folks at BetOnline.ag. The NFL season is winding down with only a few teams still alive in pursuit of this year's championship. There is plenty to discuss, and with that in mind, there's only one place that has you covered, one place that we trust, and that place is betonline.ag. You can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus with the site. On top of the NBA getting geared up as the regular season rolls on with great matchups on a nightly basis, there's dozens of college basketball games each and every night, hockey games ramping up, and much, much more. From there, the NFL playoffs are still in the center of the frame with two conference championship games this coming week, and the big game for all of the marbles to follow after that. If none of that gets you going, there's a full menu of offerings for BetOnline on any sport you can think of. BetOnline also has a huge menu of player props as well as live wagering options, a ton of future bets, and even the weirder offerings that diehards always seem to love. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. Instead, get in on the action. And do not forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit with the site. One more time, that is promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus. But online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, and we will close the podcast out with some individual breakdown stuff. And as I said before the break, the bench was not particularly good. Now, <laughs> that's, there is some nuance involved here that we'll, that we'll go through. But broadly speaking... This is not a bench that you would want on a good basketball team right now. These five guys that played tonight did not play fantastically well. And, you know, it has to be said that if the Hawks were healthy, several of these guys would not be playing big minutes on this team. But they didn't get much out of these guys, and that's worth pointing out in a game that they ended up winning. So Nathan Knight, five minutes, uh, did not score, had a turnover, had a foul, and a rebound. He was not particularly good, but it was five minutes, and they needed a little bit of a jolt. Uh, he's He has had some flashes in the, in the early portion of the season. I thought it was interesting that they went to him instead of Bruno Fernando. I had no problem with it, but it's definitely noteworthy if you were still on Bruno Island to have uh, him not play in this game and Nate, and Nate not get into the game. So that's worth pointing out, but it was not a big-time Nate Knight performance, but he he got out there and made a couple things happen, so there you go on that. Uh, Akongwu was one of the bright spots. I he's probably one of the better bench guys in this game. Two points. Six rebounds, they have three block shots off the bench. He was minus 11, so it wasn't like he was making a huge impact necessarily. But I thought he did a couple things well, uh, get good effort, good energy. He flashed some of his defensive potential. I think he still has the uh, 
the feel of a rookie. There's not, there's not necessarily all the way up to speed yet, but they needed him in this game, and they got some useful minutes out of him. So that's that's a good sign for the future. And I uh, I still I, I would say I, I remain quite high on Kongu long term. Um, Goodwin and Snell combined to go 0 of 7 from the floor. That isn't what you want. Goodwin was not exactly a huge factor here. Actually, in 11 minutes, did not, ha- did not have a rebound, assist, steal, block, or turnover. He didn't have one foul, but it was not the same kind of impact as Brandon's been having in the, in the recent past. Uh, you know, the other day, he was he was famously over t- uh, sorry, 1 of 10 from the floor, and Pierce said he did not even care about that, which I agree with. In this game, Goodwin didn't really have that same kind of force. He's not um, necessarily always going to be like a lead guy, but I thought he was kind of passive by his standards in this game, didn't make a huge impact. And then Snell, he, he just needs to make shots. He was 0-4 from the floor, 0-3 from three. He played fine, had two offensive rebounds, um, two turnovers, though, and just didn't make a huge impact. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things where Snell is pretty dependent on him making shots offensively. I think defensively he was in the right place at the right time for the most part, but he's a guy who's pretty much uh, just a shooter at this point offensively, and that kind of showed through in this spot. And then Rondo, I know, he was, I know he was plus four. I get that. I thought he was pretty bad. Uh, two points, did have two, did have two assists, two rebounds, and three turnovers in 12 minutes. You know, it, it doesn't always jive. Uh, the plus minus, as I always say, is not always indicative. I, again, I, I'm not trying to pile on, but Rondo, I think, has been pretty actively bad since the injury um, coming back. And, you know, it's one of those things where they, he's easy, he's being eased in. I played the audio for you yesterday on the podcast. If you missed it on yesterday's podcast, I played some audio, I should say, from Lloyd Pierce about Rondo, how they're kind of easing him in and monitoring him and all that stuff. That's worth keeping in mind. I'm not trying to pile on, but uh, the on-court sample right now for Rondo is not particularly good in my opinion, which is at least worth saying out loud. Um, all right, to the starters. Obviously, all five guys played 39 minutes or more. Granted, it was an overtime game. It's still had a lot, that's had a lot of minutes for the starters, and they kind of had to in this game. We'll start with Solomon Hill. 40 minutes of play for Solomon. Has to be, has to be a high for him for, for quite some time now. Six points, five rebounds, three assists, and a turnover. He got a lot of praise post-game from everyone about just kind of playing defense in the way that he was asked to. You know, guys, I think it was Collins, talked about the fact that he was just kind of asked to play defense and make, make some shots. That was kind of his role in this game. It's kind of always his role, but he had to guard Grant and Griffin at different times. Did an okay job. Like, obviously, Grant had 32 points, so it was like he stopped him, but they had to have someone had that assignment in this game without Hunter and Reddish, and Hill took on that challenge. Like I said, he was 2-8 from the floor, but made one of the biggest shots of the game was that three in overtime to tie it when they were when they were, when they were down by three. So that was a big one that you want to circle. It wasn't like he was fantastic, but he played fine, and they needed, they needed all those 40 minutes from Solomon Hill in this game. Um, Kevin Herter was the other guy um, who was in the starting lineup, and honestly... He played well. He's just not going to get the attention that he, a lot of people will get because the other three guys had just monster nights. But Herter finishes the game with 17 points, five rebounds, four assists, two steals. He was plus 14. He was efficient. 6-12 from the floor, 3-4 from three, 2-2 two two from the free throw line. He made a couple of great passes. You know, Herter has just been playing very, very well this year. You know, he was the fourth best player in this game, but, you know, it's not, it's, it's, it does not mean that you should ignore what he did. I thought he was really important what the Hawks did. A couple of really big plays in crunch time down the, down the stretch in the fourth quarter as well with some passes and a couple of made shots. So I thought he played very well and a, a nice night from Kevin who continues to build on his success early in the season. Um, John Collins, I thought was just fantastic from the outset in this game. 31 points, 11 rebounds. He was plus 18, had a steal and a block. He was 13 of 24 from the floor. One of three from three and four or five from the free throw line. He was a focal point early on, which is a good idea for the Hawks. I've been saying the last couple of days and weeks that they needed to get him the ball more often. That happened in this game. It was definitely, at least it definitely seemed to be a focal point for Atlanta's offense early on in this game, and he was uh, sort of rewarding them with that. And then defensively, 
there was a moment in this game when Blake Griffin had his number for a while, and that has to be pointed out. I've been really high on John's defense this season, and I think in the fourth quarter and beyond, it was quite good. There was a moment, though, mid-game, where Griffin kind of had him in the penalty box for a little while, but credit to John, he bounced back from that and played very, very well defensively once again, and this is probably one of his more complete games of his career, honestly, with the way that he played on both ends, so an awesome night for John. Uh, in some ways, it's unfortunate he'll, he'll probably have third billing here, despite 31-11, and 11, but that's kind of the, the case with the other two guys, the way they played in this game, but that, sh- that should not be overlooked. Collins was awesome in this game. Um, well, you know what? We'll save, we'll save Capella for the end. Uh, Trey Young, 44 minutes to lead everyone on either side. 38 points, 10 assists, 2 steals, a block, 4 rebounds, 2 turnovers. He was plus 7 in the game. And uh, in the first half... He was pretty bad. So this is sort of a tale of two halves in a lot of ways for a lot of guys in this game. But I'll read the, I'll read the numbers to you now. So in the first half, Trey was 2 of 11 from the floor, 1 of 2 from, the, from, th- from 3, 1 of 5 from the free throw line. 6 points and 5 assists. So after halftime, he was obviously much, much better than that. He had 32 points after the break. Um, 29 in the third and fourth quarters, and he hit the big three. That was sort of the dagger at the end. End up with 38 and 10. So... You know, I have to say, before halftime, he was pretty bad, um, and still started to be, still seemed to be kind of fighting it a little bit. But he really came alive, both passing and shooting. His floater is still kind of betraying him a little bit. He kind of made a funny comment in the media. Someone asked him uh, after the game what was the difference. He kind of said that there, there was no longer a lid on the rim in the second half, which is true. I mean, a lot of the shots that he got in the first half were pretty decent looks. They just didn't go in. But hopefully, this sparks him moving forward. Um, again, the free throws were kind of strange. He got to the line 19 times. That's commendable in itself. Good to see him getting back to his uh, ways there. Missing six of them is weird for him, especially starting at one of five. But, you know, overall, a very good game for Trey. Even if you want to factor in the first half, he still played quite well if you factor in how good he was after halftime. So, 38 and 10, bunch of big plays, and he was really really the catalyst offensively in the third quarter to keep the Hawks uh, alive and kicking, and then made a bunch of big plays, including a couple of highlight assists and that long three in overtime. And then Clint Capella, who made some history in this game. As I said before, they did kind of stuff in the first half. He was the first Hawk to have 25 and 25. That's the campaign 99, which is, you know, I was in middle school at that point in time. So it's been quite a while since uh, a Hawk did what Capella did in this game. 27 points, 26 rebounds, 5 blocks, a steal, 2 assists. He was plus 17 in 39 minutes. And now that's a lot of minutes, but it's not like that's like an overwhelming number where it was like, oh, well, he played so many minutes. That, that's why he had so many numbers. You know, sub 40. You can't fake the numbers that he had in this game. Also got to the line 12 times, made seven of them, which is not great, but for Capella, that's more than, that's that's enough. That's like, what, 60%? That's totally fine for Capella at the line. So, you know, the numbers speak for themselves. You just cannot, 26, 26 rebounds is insane. 12 on the offensive glass. He was a catalyst there. Defensively, he was teaming up with John to make a ton of plays around the rim, making life difficult for the Pistons near the rim the entire game. Rebounding-wise, he's just elite. I mean, Coming into the game, I think he was in the top five in multiple rebound rate categories. I think he was only trailing Drummond in a couple. Uh, he's going to be up there alongside Drummond all season long, it looks like, in rebounding categories. And Pierce acknowledges after the game, but Capella's now sort of up to speed. He was playing himself into shape and all that stuff at the beginning of the year. That was openly acknowledged by a lot of people, including me. But he looks to be himself now. Um, you can't expect this to happen every night. 25-25 is a rarity. But, man, he was really good. Uh, a lot of the offensive rebounds were sort of tipped to himself. But on the, on the defensive side, he was kind of a monster in this game, and you just cannot uh, replicate what he was able to do. So, obviously, it was a three-man star brigade with Young, Collins, and Capella on this night. But again, you cannot overlook Herder, especially. Hill played very well. Uh, the bench didn't really give you a whole lot, but that's, you know, when you get 
when you when you receive what you got from the top three guys, you can live with no bench, and the Hawks manage to navigate it. So, all that to say, a nice win for Atlanta. Uh, obviously, we could have gone even longer on this game because it was so twisty and turny, but I could have gone forever. But hopefully, the, this, this is probably enough to break it all down on this night. The Hawks, uh, as I look ahead now, play in Minnesota on Friday against the Wolves. That's very, very winnable. Minnesota is not good, as we saw on Monday, especially without Carl Anthony Towns in the lineup. And I think he probably will be out. I'm not seeing any official ruling on that, but I'm expecting that to be the case. Also, the Wolves lost tonight to the Magic. Um, Minnesota is now 3-10 and on the season. Um, you know, a game that, yeah, it's on the road, but the Hawks certainly will... I think will be favored to win. Maybe if they don't have Herder and Reddish again, I'm sorry, Hunter and Reddish again, maybe that'll be a little bit closer on the point spread side, but a very winnable spot. This is the fourth show of the week, and the fifth show of the week will be after the game on Friday, so I'm not planning to do another podcast between now and then, but check out the previous episodes of the show, including yesterday with Zach Hood, along with some audio that I played on yesterday's podcast, so that one's sort of evergreen, a little bit more of a way, but... Plenty of content for you to catch up on on the feed. Please subscribe. Please tell a friend or two or three about the show. If you like the podcast and want to support it, the best possible way is to just download the show. Uh, even if you listen to it, listen to it on multiple plat- plat- platforms, go out of your way if you'd like to, to download and click click around. I know that's kind of uh, funny to do out loud, but people have asked me a couple times in the last week or so if I have a Patreon or anything, anything like that, and I, I, I do not. The best way to support me is to support this podcast as well as to support our, our, our sponsors on the show today. That's Rock auto and bet online and all of our sponsors from the last several weeks so patronize them click click on the podcast all on the podcast tell your friends about the podcast thank you so much for all of your support and we'll see you all after the game on friday